Hey everyone, welcome to Do I Still Love It? Our ongoing attempt to look back at pop culture from our childhood to figure out if we knew what good art was or if we were just television addicts seeking a fix. I'm Marshall James. And I'm Laura Weiss. And every week we explore a film from our childhood to determine, do I still love it? And this week we're joined by special guest, screenwriter and filmmaker Liz Manischel. Yeah, That's me! Yeah. So, welcome! Uh, Thanks! Welcome to the show, Liz. Thanks for doing it. Um... So Liz and I uh, know each other from the very first summer I moved to L.A. six years ago. Uh, we were both working on a mutual friend's thesis film at USC. Oh, I thought it was the Vern Troyer thing. You're right. It was Lindsay's thesis. Right. We also both worked on a, a unpicked up Vern Troyer pilot. <laughs> uh, he's a great dude. He's he so mini, nice. mini me from the Austin Powers movie. And I, actually a really good actor. Yeah, he was a really good actor. That's I was surprising. just a PA at the time, but I got to be assigned to be his like personal PA to well, like he has a personal assistant because being a little person he has certain needs that like for you know reaching tall stuff and like helping him in and out of like difficult situations for being a small person but they're also like let's just have a PA to help him and his and his assistant in case they need food or runs or anything so I ended up spending a lot of time just talking to him and he's like a really cool dude with a really mm-hmm. interesting perspective on like little people in show per- show business and that sort of thing so. He had a rough few years, and this was after the rough few years. I remember, do you remember there was like there was, was on, public uh, urination involved? Oh, in this on, rough on few celebrity, years. Uh, celebrity big, not Big Brother, but it was like what is like the VH1 house. knockoff or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't mean to bring that up, Vern. Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, but Vern's a great guy. The moral of the story is Vern's a great guy and a true talent, and we wish him the best. There we go. Yeah, we spun, we spun that well. <laughs> So, uh, but so Liz, you are a, uh, a filmmaker in your own right, and I helped in my own tiny way kickstarting some money to okay. your great film, Bread and Butter. Thank that, you. That it is out. a great film. Thank yeah, you. I took Laura on a on a date, and we saw it. And I legitimately enjoyed it. Yeah. So, if you want to talk a little bit about just, Bread and Butter, yeah, life, or, or just, just your, whatever just you're what, working if on, if you like that oh. project and any projects you have coming up. Well, on September first, it'll be our year anniversary of Bread and Butter's release. Um, so we're releasing our Blu-ray that no one wanted, so we decided to release <laughs> our own Blu-ray. So editor Bruce Novotny put together all these like fancy special features, including a musical number that got cut from the film, and we're releasing that on September first. And then I just kickstarted my second feature, which we'll be shooting. In June or July of 2017. Oh, fantastic! And we'll have uh, we'll have links to Bread and Butter uh, up on the website, so you can definitely own your own copy or at least rent it. On oh, and demand. it's also available. It's yeah. on uh, VOD. It's on VOD. So yeah. definitely check it out. It's got uh, Lauren Lapkus and Bobby Moynihan are some of the big names involved, but also Christine Weatherup, who's just delightful, and Micah Hauptman, Eric Lang, Sean Wright, Don Didawick, and Harry Groner. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really great. It's just a it's a it's a different kind of of romantic comedy. It's an anti romantic comedy or a romantic comedy for the rest of us. Yeah. It's it's um, it's really great, and it really features Liz's unique voice that I find really delightful. Like Liz Liz writes like really interesting uh, what could be throwaway scenes, but they but they tell you so much about the character that just a bunch of throwaway scenes together actually makes a really fun narrative. Thank you. So something I really like about I don't Liz. like too much plot. <laughs> well, it's like plot's the subtext, you know. Right. <laughs> 
anyway, so uh, enough about your movie. Let's talk about the movie we're here to watch. <laughs> we're going to watch 1987's Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so why don't you tell us in 30 seconds or less, from what you can remember, what's this movie about? Me. Yes, yeah. it is. Okay. Um, uh, Elizabeth Shue uh, is a babysitter, but she really wants to be on a date, I think. And uh, a boy that she's taking care of has a crush on her. And Thor is involved. And they have a really good... I just remember the opening sequence real well. Like, real well. I remember she's dancing to, like, a 1960s song in her bedroom. And she's, like, singing into a hairbrush. It's a pretty classic... Yeah. yeah. All I remember as a kid was how much I wanted to be the babysitter. Ooh. She was, like, cool to me. Interesting. Yeah. I just, I was just, like, a little kid just being, like, being a kid is stupid. <laughs> I want to be a teenager. Well, because she can, like, drive. I remember yeah. there was, like, driving involved. But she dressed like she was 40. <laughs> like, I think they're, like, it's, like, the 80s, so there's, like, shoulder pads. But uh-huh. I remember there's, like, a big overcoat, too, where it's, like, that's a grown-up overcoat. <laughs> it's to communicate that she's significantly older than right. the children in the movie. Right, right. Um, uh, like, I don't remember a whole lot about the content of the movie. I do remember that there are gangsters involved yeah. somehow, and that um, there's like a carjacking that involves kids getting stolen. Um, but the the main thing is I just remember like the context in which I saw the movie because I remember I watched this movie at the suggestion of my babysitter. And so we watched it together. And this was my babysitter who was like our next door neighbor's teenage daughter who I had the hugest crush on. So like I'm eight, my brother's five, and then Jenny is, Jenny's like 15 or 16. And... <laughs> And you're just watching this story go by, just like well, in I pain. completely identified with the boy yeah. who has the crush on the babysitter because I'm just like, <sighs> wait, she wanted you to watch it. Yeah, she's just like, hey, this will be. Do a fun you think movie. she was trying to have you face reality about the fact that you could never be in a relationship with her? Oh, maybe I probably was not a very subtle child. <laughs> <laughs> well, she like she. I remember she was a good artist, and she drew me like I was way in an ninja. Let's be real. I'm way into Ninja Turtles, <laughs> and she drew me like a ninja. Like she was a, uh, she drew me like a Donatello, and I was just like hearts over my head. <laughs> like she drew me a turtle, and she's cute and has glasses. Like I was Aww. all, I was all into her. And then she told you to back off by showing you this movie. this movie. Right. But I think I remember like really digging this movie because yeah, it it's didn't like an work, adventure movie. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. you're still in love with Jenny, well, aren't you? Um, you know. To be perfectly honest, I would have difficulty picking her out of a lineup now because it's been so long. But I do (laughs) secretly still pine after you, Ginny. I remember a few years ago, Judd, not Judd, who's the super bad guy, but not Michael Sarah. Oh, the su- uh, Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill. I always, call- I always want to call him John Apatow. Jonah Hill <laughs> uh, did a movie called The Sitter. And in the tra- and I didn't see it. Oh, I did. You did yeah. But the trailer made it look like it was a remake of Adventures in Babysitting. I can kind of see, because the thing I remember about Adventures in Babysitting is it was the most epic domestic thing I'd ever watched. It just right. it felt like an epic journey that took place in, like, a suburb, which yeah. I just... I. 
I don't think of this movie and think of a normal, like, oh, this is a story about being a kid. I actually, this, this movie kind of, like, verges toward a fantasy film in my head. I haven't seen it since I was probably five or six. And so I just remember it just being epic in proportion. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think The Sitter was anything like that. But I didn't no. see The Sitter. So I'm no, just making yeah. these assumptions. Well, The Sitter the sitter was, I mean, it was a Jonah Hill movie from, like, 2012. So, you know, it was funny. Eh. There was, it was an adult film, though. Like, the, he ended up with a bag of Coke that that he wasn't supposed to have and then like the coke dealers were chasing after him and like trying to kill the kids it was an intense film it was it escalated yeah yeah i do also remember that this movie may be a little racist but oh. like i also don't always know when racism occurs so like i just wanted to say that now out or when you were a kid? ever oh okay <laughs> like i'm always like when it's ambiguous let's just call it racism right so let's like, err on the side of this is probably offensive yeah so like that's what i'm really curious about seeing is like when we watch it do we see blatant racism well, interesting well cuz like i think laura and i uh, like behind the scenes have been talking about eventually we'll have to do short circuit Oh. That that has just uh, Fisher Stevens playing an Indian dude in both Short Circuit 1 and 2. And so I'm like, well, I automatically don't think that... Di- I feel like that has to immediately disqualify it as whether or not I still love it. It's not whether or not right. I can like it. Right. Be- can I get around this? Can I, can I ignore <laughs> the blatant Indian face going on right now? But it has that song. Who's Johnny? She's in. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that and enough? it did, and it did help diffuse, I think, a bit of the fears, like robot hysteria, because <laughs> right. Johnny Five is just a nice robot. Johnny yeah. Five really is a nice robot. Okay, so um, I guess the the other remains is Liz. Do you think you'll still love it? I've had bad experiences with other '80s movies revisiting <laughs> them. So I'm not a, little, a good I'm like nervous. Do you have, a, do you have an example of, of a glaring example of one? I don't I have a glaring example. It's just this overall paranoia that oh, okay. like I don't think it'll happen for me this time. Oh, okay. Laura, do you? Uh... I don't think we've ever had a guest on who was like, this is the movie I wanted to watch and I don't think I'll still love it. <laughs> I love that. Because a lot of times they, they think of like a movie that they know they love or they, yeah, they're exactly. almost certain yeah. that they... I love that you came in with one that you I really weren't sure about. It. I'm not sure. Because this was kind of... Because this is getting to the heart of the whole reason Laura and I invented the podcast was because we started thinking about all these movies. We, we thought of like dozens of them and we're like, let's, let's just start watching them. And then we're like, wait, wait, wait. There's an opportunity for something more going on here because I want to like record how we love or don't love these things. Yeah, because some might be true art and some might be just drivel. Right. And what uh, will we get today? Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> won't you guys have an adventure with or without your babysitter and w- join us as we watch uh, Adventures in Babysitting, which is streaming on Netflix? So, if you have Netflix, flip it on, won't you? Press pause and join us. Meet Chris Parker. Getting ready for the greatest night of her life. Hi. I gotta cancel. Now she's stuck babysitting the Anderson kids. Sarah. Mom got Chris to babysit for me. Chris? Her brother Brad. Oh my. His best friend Daryl. Who is this kid? Stray dog. Take good care of my baby. I'll guard her with my life. What could possibly go wrong? Chris, I'm in trouble. Hang up and sit down. I'll be there in half an hour.
This is the night when things go from bad to worse. Big city, scum sucker. Too ridiculous. Wanna go to bed? Hey, I like danger. You should try babysitting. And this is only the beginning. Your friend is dead. Chris can handle it. Sarah's probably hanging from the rafters by now. Sarah, hold on! I'm still in control here. <laughs> you could say they were having a bad night. Any problems? No, not really. If they weren't having such a good time. Adventures in babysitting. Think your parents will ever ask me to babysit again? If they do, I'd ask them for a buck more an hour. All right, and so that was uh, Adventures in Babysitting, and uh, wow. Well, it's um, initially, my first thought is, it's a lot of adventures. It's like a really beefy (laughs) movie. The name is correct. So yeah, so if you thought your movie should have three acts, this movie thought, let's have 12 acts. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But uh, so guys, what are your initial thoughts, Liz? Okay, so I recently gave away this DVD because I never watched it. And my last time I saw this was I think I was very young and I and then I purchased it without having watched it. I gave it away because I thought I didn't like it. And I'm and I was pleasantly surprised by this experience. I very much enjoyed this movie. Oh, great. Yeah. So that was weird for me. That you're like, like, oh, like, and I gave it away. And now I, yeah, now I'm like, why did I give it away? That was stupid. Oh my god, that guy's still dreamboat. Oh, I'm gonna think about it forever. Like I had all these thoughts. Uh-huh. So I really enjoyed myself. Great. Laura, your initial thoughts? So as I said, I remember seeing this movie, but I and I remember just feeling like it was an like an epic tale in a totally like domestic landscape. Mm-hmm. Not a domestic landscape at all. Was completely <laughs> wrong about that. Um I I don't know. This this movie was like an eye roll in like the best way. <laughs> it was just like, what is this? Well, definitely what definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely seemed to buy into I mean, I grew up in the suburbs um in, in Kentucky, and there's definitely this movie fed totally feeds into this suburbanite fear of the city that grew (laughs) in the 70s and 80s. Like, after white flight pushed all white people out of the cities and into suburbs, like, I feel like then there was this growth of this idea that, like, the cities are dangerous, everybody in the city is a minority or a gang member, or both. Or they're very rich and they work in that one building. Or, or right, the one, (laughs) it's like a castle, like a pinnacle of, of white success and an otherwise urban decay. And, um... And so, like, watching this movie, like, I, it was one of these things where, like, when you suggested the movie, I was like, oh, man, I don't really remember all that much. But as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this bit. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is I really identified with the brother when I watched it when I was young. And now I think he's, like, kind of a, a tool. And I don't oh, like him Brad? at all. Brad, yeah. Does that mean that you were a tool? Oh, I was totally a little tool. Yeah, like, it took me years to not be an asshole. 
I am now successfully not an asshole. You didn't think Brad was such a sweetheart and just tried to defend the honor of Elizabeth Shue and... I feel like Brad had a really good character arc, actually. Yeah, he, was the... he grew up. Yeah, I feel like he grew up a lot over that six-hour period. He closed that curtain. I guess yeah. that's he true. He closed those blinds. It was more his a definitive friend... moment in his life. Oh, his friend was his the friend worst. His friend Daryl was the worst. Okay, but it's Anthony Rapp, and I, like, love <laughs> Anthony Rapp. And I, I've never... I didn't see him on Broadway in Rent, but I just know that voice yeah uh-huh. and i'm like i will i will walk i will follow you till the end Anthony Rapp. <laughs> right you can do no wrong <laughs> and he does fulfill the role of the character who doesn't have a character arc like even yes. at the end during their like curtain call he's still like peeping on brenda's boobs for some reason a very and the- specific solid character that yeah. yeah it didn't have an arc but it's like you knew that he was the perf right not every like- character needs to have an arc in a, in a six hour time period yeah. right. so it's okay that that's he true stayed the same because I really don't think anybody had an arc except Brad. Like, Elizabeth Shue's pretty much yeah. the same person at the beginning as she was at the end. Although, she's now aware that her 40-year-old boyfriend has been <laughs> cheating on her. That with- is something that we need to talk about. And so, um, we recently, I think everyone here recently, watched Stranger Things. <gasps> yeah. And yeah. I want to bring this up because Stranger Things did something for us as 80s and 90s children that we're really grateful for, which is they cast age, like they cast people in the correct ages. Age appropriate, yeah. Like all the kids are actually 12. The the teenagers teenagers are are actually 16. And, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s and seeing all of these films and TV shows where everyone is at least 22 up to like 37. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really nice to see, oh, you actually can trust, like you're a good enough director that you're willing to cast children. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Well, and I think it also but, like, like- this is an, egre- I want to point out, yeah. this is an egregious like overstep <laughs> in the poor choice of casting when it comes to age. Right. So the, like almost- Except for a- Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, so Seriously. Sarah, the the little girl who I think uh, we all agree Hero. is the best, best character, character in the show. Best Hero character. of the film. Um, and, Just uh, like fearless. She's great. She's awesome given that this is like 1987 and they're willing to let, uh, one, a little girl be the bravest character in the yes. cast. She's like a big nerd and way into comic books and Thor and she's really not afraid of anything, including climbing out on the face of the Chrysler building. Yeah. She did get a little scared then. But but, but only a reasonable amount. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, and I think that's what, something that I really like is they created they created not only like a fearless girl character, but like a very kind of agender fearless girl. Like she's obviously a girl, but they did not assign her any girl stuff at all. Yeah, mm. but it didn't feel like oh she's a tomboy. Well, yeah, it just it, felt like oh she's like a cool nerdy kid, right? Because yeah. nobody teases her for being not girly or mm-hmm. it, like there's no like because there could have been a moment like Brad teases her about a lot of things. Yeah, but he never once goes like why don't you like dolls and yeah. shit? Yeah, Where's your pink, no, there's like a pinkness. complete there's a complete acceptance for who she is. Which yeah. awesome. I remember watching this film the first time and not knowing that Thor had its origin in something greater than this film. Oh. Like, I just thought Thor was of Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, wow. Okay. And then rewatching it, I'm like, oh, this is kind of timely because everyone would know who Thor is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because at the time, it would have not have been very timely. Like, right. it's not, it's yeah. not, no knock on you for not knowing uh, that's right. who Thor was because I think <laughs> at the time, I may not, and I was a big comic book nerd, uh-huh. but, you know, Thor is also not even one of, 
necessarily Marvel's biggest characters. He's not Spider-Man or the X-Men, you know. And so it's like a really specific character choice that like she's going to like Thor and run around in his feathered helmet (laughs) carrying his hammer the whole movie. Uh, Mm. Like that's just a really... It's just wonderful. Um, <laughs> and Vincent D'Onofrio's like blonde wig, wig. thing <laughs> like, was so great. Yeah. Um, oh, so we were talking about so like within the first two minutes of the movie, Elizabeth Shue gets a uh, the bad news from her boyfriend of one year that he's canceling their one year anniversary date because his sister is sick. Now the man who the man who. She opens the, the door to ass man. fucking man. Like when she opens the door and we look at him in the face, we all thought, oh, this is her dad come to like <laughs> tell her. This guy was 40. This guy's like a, you know, and I looked it up and the actor was 29, but Bradley he's Whitford. a rough 29. Oh, wait. <laughs> Whitman or Re- Whitford? Bradley Whitford? Whitford. Yeah. Whitford. Yeah, his twenty nine years did not did not treat him very he was, well. He had a dad haircut and a dad bod and the sort of bemused, detached look that fathers who accidentally had children have. <laughs> he had a kind of that like pouchy face. Yeah, like I thought he was about to be the dad that hires her to be a babysitter, and then when she's like, "Oh my god, uh, Mike, what about our date?" I'm like. No, no, this 22-year-old <laughs> pretending to be 17 is not dating this 40-year-old pretending to be 17. Well, he did, I don't know. I did not think he looked very dad-like, but I did think he had the, like, constipation look that all villains have, <laughs> you know, where they just look like something Ted's about their face, you know? Yeah. And, like, that's and that kind of, like, oh, okay, so he's the villain. Right. That's what you get right off the bat. Yeah, like, you, right. nobody's buying that it's because his sister's sick. Yeah. You know, like, um, anyway... Uh, so, uh, speaking of Stranger Things, when her friend Brenda shows up, we all three of us were like, it's Barb! We're all Barb! Yeah. <laughs> She's An- Barb. Another great thing about Stranger Things, really, if you are listening to this podcast and haven't watched Stranger Things, you owe it to yourself, because if you listen to this podcast because you're nostalgic for the movies of your youth, Stranger Things will hit all of the bases. Like, <laughs> you know, it's a full body nostalgia massage is, is Stranger Things. <laughs> that is... The probably the weirdest way anyone has ever explained that. <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb there. Yeah, weirdest way anyone's ever explained Stranger Things. I really full body nostalgia massage. When you're watching it now, I can't remember her real name. I'm gonna call her Barb. That's just gonna uh, be our yeah, Barb. Barb. Oh, yeah. it's um Brenda. 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 Um, I liked how she ran away from home because that also is one of those things where it's like when I was younger it's like that's the option you're just gonna run away from home that's always an option to hide from your problems (laughs) and like i forgot about that idea that that could i don't know it's like you can't run away from home now so it's like i forgot that you could (laughs) like now that we're adults (laughs) yeah now that we're adults we can't run away from our rent and our car payments i mean you can you can but then you're a deadbeat yeah. That just made me nostalgic for the past. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Can you guys remember, um, like, an ex- did, did any of you ever run away? No. I mean, I threatened, I think. Yeah. I think the farthest I ever went is I think I, like, stayed the night at my friend Mike's house without telling my parents. And, like, that was uh, the closest to running away. No, I never ran away. I was really, I was, I was pretty chill with the parents. My yeah. best friend. My brother did. My brother was gone for two weeks once. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. But yeah. he came back. Yeah. Best friend ran away from home when I was there to hang out with her. 
like we were at her house, and then she decided she was going to run away from home. So she gathered all the stuff, and then we went, then, just like walking through the streets of San Rafael for like the night. And then she just decided we'd go back. But like it was like of all the times to run away from home, like don't bring your friends. Like your friend did not decide to run away. Right. You like, assisted a runaway. Right, she, right? she brought you in on her conspiracy. You're like, I'm perfectly fine with my home situation. <laughs> I'd like to go back now. Um, I actually do. I do. I don't know. I kind of enjoy the world that they created for Brenda inside of the train station. Where she's just constantly so harassed by homeless people. Over the top. <laughs> I mean, there, she turns around and a guy just smiles at her and pulls a gun out from his jacket and then, like, wiggles it in his hand <laughs> like it's a sideshow trick. And, she and run- then she turns around and then he, she turns back and he does it again. again. And then she runs into him later and he's still holding that prop. Like, <laughs> what is he doing? Security. They, it was security. Like, that whole little world there was so slapsticky yeah. that I was willing to overlook, like, the blatant... Um, just bad. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Acting. Like, yeah, the blatant bad acting. <laughs> just how over the top like, it was. Like the blatant, like, it, no, it's not that unsafe. You know what I mean? Like, it, mm. it's almost just like, is this going on in her head? Right. Is, is she, she just imagining the worst? Crazy the panic attack, and like, this is what she's it. getting out of it. Yeah. It almost didn't feel real at all. Yeah. Well, the whole movie yeah, had well, that kind yeah. of like silly tone. Yeah. Right. Which, like, I think I thought was going to be racist. And then I watch it, and I, as we're watching, I was like, oh, well, this is just silly. Right. Like, this is just a goofy movie. Yeah. Liz was, I remember she commented, there's the early, relatively early in the movie, they, the kids find themselves in this jazz club. Or and, blues. Or blues club, excuse me. This blues club. And they, and when they run in, Liz had just commented, oh, I think this is the part of the movie I'm afraid is racist. <laughs> and so all three of us leaned forward on our knees like, like, oh, God, please don't be really. And it manages to not be racist, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean. So they show up in this, this jazz club. And, blues club. Uh, bl- sorry, you're correct. <laughs> Blues Club just doesn't roll off the tongue the way Jazz Club does, but you're right. So it's a blues club. They show up at this blues club, and uh, like the whole audience is black, all the performers are black, and obviously our cast is all white. Um, and the only like they they make them sing the blues, which is like corny but not necessarily racist, and then leads to one of the more entertaining moments in the whole flick when they're just like ad-libbing a blues song. Yeah, I no, it didn't, that didn't trigger anything for me. Well, I I thought, in fact, the one thing I thought is, you know, this is good because in a movie that totally in some ways buys into the uh, suburbanite fear of the city because they they do immediately yeah. get attacked by a man with a hook for a hand (laughs) who's going to commit murder Not of them. Not of them, but of, like, his cheating wife. And then they get carjacked by a black guy. And then... An adorable black guy. An adorable black guy. Who ends up saving them at the end. Right. Uh, And... And I was get, always just so happy when he a, returned. He was cute. So yeah, cute. That, yeah. Those cheekbones. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh... But yeah, and they get taken to a chop shop, being run by a bunch of gangsters, and but and then they are on the run because these gangsters want to kill them, and there's pornography involved. And after all this like horrible stuff about the city and why you should stay in the suburbs, then there's this like really delightful scene, like, "Hey, white kids, I know there's lots of negative 
stereotypes about black people in this movie, but hey, here's a bunch of warm, accepting black people that just are having a good evening and want you to be a part of it. You know, like, I thought this is a good message. I would like to focus on the rampant theme of Playboy in this yeah. film. In this kid's I film. I always thought was for kids. No, in the in this film that I always thought was for kids, oh, yeah. this is not a children's film. Like in a Playboy that Elizabeth Shue is definitely the centerfold. In. It is like yeah, that's definitely her. Although it's definitely not a real Playboy because we we constantly see this centerfold, and and so that this movie can remain PG thirteen, the centerfold is the most chaste centerfold ever. The the model you ain't seeing no Tina. Yeah, I mean it's Elizabeth Shue, and she has her back to the camera. And then there's like a feather boa across her butt. So it's just a photograph of her back. <laughs> yeah. Centerfold worthy right there. Yeah. <laughs> Not that Elizabeth Shue doesn't have a lovely back. It's a great back. She like obviously works on her lats, you know. <laughs> it's a good deal. I was trying to think of, I had this theory or Sean had this theory where like really good movies involved going through air conditioning vents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then this movie almost completed that because they're balancing along the beams and they do go up through some sort of... I think it counts. I think it counts counts? because to get out of that gangster room, they they did go through that air conditioning unit hole. Right? And then they crossed the I-beam. Yeah. Like like there was supposed to be a vent there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in the the annals of... uh, this film history. The film history of escape via, <laughs> via air conditioning duct. <laughs> Amazing. Um, this one can have a little asterisk beside it. Which right. it's the the funny thing is like that's such a movie trope because like I don't know if you guys have ever seen the inside of like an industrial like the the nails the the screws that are holding like really? those just stick in because it's an air conditioner. All that blows through there is air. So you can't safely climb really? through air conditioning. Really? can't support the weight? One, yeah. They totally could not support the weight. But it's also just like a medieval con- like But there's also, there's also <laughs> nails and stuff. And there's also like sharp corners. Because again, it's just a tube to blow air through. You just saved me from <laughs> a very bad decision if I ever was trapped. Yeah. Do I Still Love It does not condone the use of air conditioning ducts as escape routes in real life in real life because i it's not going to be it's not going to turn out don't try that at home unless you're in a I movie i didn't know that yeah but I for movies for for screenwriters for screenwriters write you can it into the script yes right. yeah and then you will enter the hall of fame of, right <laughs> you can join yeah. aliens, aliens die hard and, and adventures, adventures of babysitting, babysitting. <laughs> amazing and that is a list you want to add your right. your film's name to I liked that her voice was, I mean, I mentioned this while we watched this, but her voice, when she has to sing the blues, doesn't sound like a fancy voice. It sounds like everyone's voice. Like, it sounds like it was Elizabeth Shue. They didn't have that person who, like, dubbed the voice of Audrey Hepburn and My Fair Lady, you know? It's like that. Like, she did her own singing, and it sounded like a normal voice. So that was really nice and refreshing. Right, right. And it's also good that they cast Elizabeth Shue as an actress, because she's an actress, instead of like going, oh, we'll cast, you know, Whitney Houston because we want a scene where she's going to sing, you know. Especially the blues, because the blues requires such a finesse. Right. right? Right. Such vocal finesse. So if we were to remake this film Mm. today. And not call it The Sitter. And not call it The Sitter, because it is a different film. they, They do have more in common than I remembered. 
I mean, there was a lot of... Th- this movie was not nearly as family-friendly as I had expected mm. it to be. If we were to remake this film in modern day with the modern sensibilities of how to make this a better movie, where, where would you start? What would you change? Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about this. This is tough. Well, I think I'd try and eliminate the blatant... Hey, we're gonna get away from the suburbs and go to the dangerous city <laughs> where like, people have color. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and, and like where everything's super dangerous. Like it, it'd be okay if they went from like one borough to another borough in New York or something. Or I, I think it's just the premise that the city is dangerous, and if you manage to escape the suburbs every now and then, you can have an adventure too. Like I think that was, I'd probably eliminate that. I was about to say, I, I, you know, I would like to change it so that the sexual politics were, were more modern, but I, it really isn't that bad with that lead character. I mean, yeah. she does save herself. She saves the kids. It's not like this dreamboat guy, jo- what is this? what's his name? George Newbern oh, yeah. does, comes out of nowhere and just saves everyone. All she does is give them $45, right? And gives right. them a ride, yeah. So I don't even know the sexual politics could be updated, but not to such a degree that I was anticipating, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thinking it was an 80s, you know, sex comedy or something. Right. Right. Yeah, it was like the female characters in you this are nice, surprisingly strong female. And uh, yeah. they may be past the Bechdel oh, test. I think they have do. conversations about stuff that isn't boys. I mean, yeah. I mean, she is seven. Well, they they so. do have a conversation about Thor, and he is a boy. Yeah, but he's beyond. A, he's a god. He's true. <laughs> totally oh yeah, okay. that's a that's a question. Does the Bechdel test? <laughs> do you pass the Bechdel test if two named women have a conversation about God? And the God just happens to be happens, it happens to be, be dude. Yeah, like like the Judeo Christian male God. Like hmm. probably, Time I think that's okay. It's an ephemeral being. More than a depends on how, how they see that. I guess because some people see God as a woman, some people see God that's as a right. as a neither. That's right. right. But you who know? would play her is what I was stuck on. Oh, Elizabeth Shue's yeah, character, like in the modern day remake. Um, I would just like to uh, let's see who would I cast. See, I the, the as soon as I started thinking about this, I thought if we could go back slightly in time, mm-hmm. I would love to use some of the cast members from season one of Game of Thrones. They're like a little oh. too old now, but I would have loved Arya as our Thor girl. Okay, yes. like Sansa could have been a funny put upon babysitter. Yeah, um, maybe Sansa now because she's closer to the correct age and and also closer to the correct mental space. Right, she would not have been good in this movie in in season one. Yeah, uh. sure. Brianna Tarth should just play all the roles, but then definitely <laughs> Thor. But like, I just want Brianna her to be ever. Brianna Tarth as Thor. Yes. yes. I love oh her my gosh. so much. That would be especially like a cool flip if like the whole time she's like, like totally into like male Thor and like thinks it's really cool, and then they go to Dawson's and Dawson is this like yeah. badass woman, and she's just like, oh, Thor's a lady. And you she's know? Brianna Tarth. Yeah, she's like Thora. I go by Thora. You know? <laughs> no, and she just go by Thor. Or just Thor. Thor. I'm Brienne of Tarth. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all you have to say. Yeah. I'm convinced. Amazing. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I I actually, this movie was so its own thing mm -hmm. that it's kind of hard to sit back and be like, oh, how would I change it? Other than to do exactly what you said, Marshall, and uh, maybe tone down the, um, the, the lines between suburb good urban bad right and then i think also i mean you mentioned a little bit about sex politics it would have also been given that this is a kids movie like playboy and 
uh, like trying to have sex with your babysitter and uh, like perving on your babysitter's friend. Like they play just a little too much of a role in a movie that's ostensibly just about, oh, we're kids who accidentally got in trouble. Uh, and they like she, he runs into a prostitute. There's this really sad oh, real so moment sad. where she's seventeen. Where one of the Weasley twins is like hitting on a <laughs> prostitute, and they're like, "Hey, uh, like how?" Like the prostitute asks Elizabeth Shue, "Like how old are you?" And she's like, "I'm seventeen. And the prostitute goes, "I'm seventeen. And they just like have a moment, like, w- "Why are you seventeen? And she's like, "I ran away from home." And it's like. Oof, this is r- and then they're like Brenda, Brenda and they they just leave Barb. and I'm like wait what about this sad comment on modern society with this 17 <laughs> yeah. year old prostitute and she could have saved her maybe or, or co- yeah come with us come with us we well, gotta go rescue my friend Brenda yeah yeah that's what I wanted to happen now so I really enjoyed you said it earlier she really did save herself in this one yeah and I. I don't think I would have expected that too much walking into this. Um, not only did she save herself, she confronted her shitty fucking boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome in the middle of a fancy restaurant. So yeah. she rolls up. She was supposed to go to this nice French place in, this, in, in the city. And they're just like happened to be passing by it when they're going to go find Brenda. And his car is outside, and she just takes everyone inside, and she just confronts him. And I don't know, you start this movie, and she's, like, dancing around in her room, singing into stuff, like, kissing his picture. And then you end it, and she's, like, (laughs) she's, like, gone to the city, gone through all of this, saved everyone multiple times. Her hair still somehow looks amazing. (laughs) The whole time. The whole time. And, I mean, perms, guys, am I right? Right. Oh my gosh. And then she just goes home, and it all works out. And I don't even care that a boy shows up at the end, because she meets oh, a guy at a frat so party, cute. and he was cute enough. <laughs> he was cute enough. Liz's dreamboat. He's so much a dreamboat. And he like, he, like, hunts her down in a kind of weird creeper way. Well, more like just a care. very convenient deus yeah. ex machina way. Yeah, exactly. And I don't even care that he showed up. It doesn't even bother me that she gets the guy in the end. Because that doesn't even feel like she. she's mostly just like, oh, okay. Hey. Yeah. How you doing? It did not feel like it was leading up to that, and it did not feel like that was the payoff at all. If anything, it's a nice reversal because she she's the gal who gets the guy. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, in a way, in in like eighties movie logic, I earned this. Yes. I earned romantic reward at the end of this movie. <laughs> but here's the irony, I think, is that I think what she's lip syncing in the beginning and she's prepping for her date. I think she was ready to lose her virginity. Oh, yeah. I think she's... And then the reason he doesn't want to go out with her is because he says Mike doesn't want to go out with her is because her legs are locked at the knee. So it's like, if Mike was just a little bit more patient, he could have got laid that night, and then they wouldn't need to break... I mean, it's just... I'm just saying Mike could have just waited one more day. Right. I'm really glad he didn't, though. Yeah, yeah. Because she got to grow. He did not deserve her. He did not deserve her. But he's just (laughs) foolish for not just waiting one more day. And again, I'd like to remind everyone that when we first see Mike in a picture she's kissing... I we all were like that's a picture of her father. <laughs> that's not it has to be. It's not him. He's it's like a, had a re- he has like down. a receding hairline and a pouchy face. He's got a drinking problem and a mortgage. Like <laughs> <laughs> He's so cool. Don't you remember? Right. He's so cool. 
Okay, so uh, do you think you would show this film to your prospective future children? No. I don't think this is a kid's movie. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, I don't think I would show this. I feel like this would be like a fun movie to show to like a 12-year-old. Okay. But I would not show this to a kid. I would, but that's because I saw a lot of more adult things when I was young. So did I. Which made me a little pervy, and I like that part of myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yes, I would. Uh, you know, I really, I, I think I really dug this movie, and despite, I mean, there's a little, there's a, I think I would be less concerned about showing this to a daughter than a son. I feel like it sends a few too many uncomfortable messages about Mm -hmm. what it means to be a boy or a man or masculinity. But I think the, like what you said, the the three female characters in this are all like interesting and uh, especially the little girl and Elizabeth Shue, like they're like strong and they don't, well, Brenda. Oh God, how could I forget Brenda? I like, and Brenda's Barb. Brenda's like a funny, yeah, Barb. She's like the funny kind of comic relief who's having her own like terrorizing uh, thing. But like the the little girl and Elizabeth Shue are so like resourceful and strong and well rounded, interesting characters. And the adventures they get into like have a reasonable amount of like scariness going on without being scary. Like you know, we just watched Land Before Time, and there are some like legitimate moments where I'm like, this would scare the shit out of a kid. This dinosaur is about to eat this other dinosaur. No, but this it, movie was legitimately scary. Which this one? This one. Oh. Yeah. Like why well, don't? If I was a kid. Well, maybe. I guess the her hanging out on the face of the Chrysler building is pretty. Yeah, intense. and then them walking over that beam. Mm. Trying to escape. Singing the blues. Yeah. I also just am uncomfortable with being chased. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that makes sense. I don't I don't like being like I don't like playing chase games. And I and I people would be like, Laura, you're it. And you're like, no. no. <laughs> like, really? I did this comes up a lot in in these shows. I didn't have a lot of friends as a kid, and I think it's because I just didn't play along. I didn't like these things. So you, we, can, we can preempt the Do I Still Love It tag edition. Yeah. Where we get some of our 30-year-old friends. Oh, by the way, we should totally do that. Get some 30-year-olds oh. all together and play hide-and-go-seek. No, that's I terrifying. feel like we should have Do I Still oh, Love scary. It track and field day. There we go. And we, we can all get participation all outdoor, ribbons. All, all the discus. outdoor things. Nice. We could do Pony like Pony Express and three-legged race yeah. and a sack race. Oh, what's the Red Rover? Red Rover, Red Rover. Yeah. Over. That was painful. Yeah, exactly. But um no, I I don't like I don't like chase scenes. And especially like young women in chase scenes, it was just a little too personal for me and so mm. that made me uncomfortable. So, um yeah, I feel like this movie contains like a good amount of like heart extra heartbeat that I wasn't expecting. Oh. Um, just just from my personal well, I mean, experience. I, I think I'm I'm with you in that I this does you know it's PG thirteen and it feels like a good rating for it. Like I, I don't know if it's as good viewing for oh. single digit children. Guys, mm. we forgot one part. What? what? We really forgot to talk about the knife fight. Oh, okay, yeah. So in the middle of this movie, they're on the elevated train in Chicago, and they've just escaped from gangsters, barely. And 
apropos of nothing, either the, the doors, the, the doors, the doors on either end of the car open, and a bunch of multi-ethnic gangsters in black come in one side, and multi-ethnic gangsters dressed in red come in the other side, and they all draw switchblades and pipes and pieces of chain, and you're just about ready for them to start snapping their fingers, <laughs> and or maybe it's a Michael Jackson video, or maybe it's just Rumblefish, or the Warriors, like... But what was absolutely fantastic is that's the moment where I realized this movie at its time was trying to be really forward with race because the, um, or at least like I suspect it maybe was because each of the gangs was just filled with the most random set of guys with ages and races and every and heights and bodies and everything. It's a mixed it bag. Was, it was the most mixed bag of of gangs you could ever come up with. And it was to to such a comedic level. Yeah. Like there was like a 45-year-old white man in one of those gangs. <laughs> and there's and one of the gangs has like a has a 17-year-old white ginger guy in a blue headband who I'm sure went out for the role of, of Brad, <laughs> just like Brad's friend went out for the role of Brad. Like, there's so many ginger white dudes in this movie. Like, very not representative of their population. Like, um, yeah, like, I wonder if through, through re-examination, because it does feel like right about 1985 is when movies and TV shows got hip to the idea that, oh, we should be very multi-ethnic. You know, like Captain Planet, and so they're like, okay, we'll have a black dude and an Asian dude, and we'll have a Chinese and a, and a, like a Latino, and uh, maybe somebody who has like a disability. Like we gotta have like a multi-ethnic, <laughs> yeah. like a multi-demographic young people because like it's it's like <laughs> you see the first stabbings of like white Hollywood trying to be like, oh, we we should be. We should be tokenism. more, yeah, yeah, tokenism. <laughs> and like really not getting it right, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's like tokenism. It's like, oh, let's a, this is what they want, right? So we're not racist. We'll put a black guy in there. It'll show oh, that this yeah, movie's yeah. not racist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it reminded me a little bit about. I don't know if you guys have already talked about this movie, but Teen Witch. No, we no, haven't yet. No. I actually, I I recommended maybe Teen Witch for you. Oh, I loved it, but I've yeah. seen that. Like a lot, mm-hmm. like okay. like it's my favorite. Movie. <laughs> I love Teen, but I didn't see it as a kid. I just ah. saw it as an adult, so I would be. But I love Teen Witch. But I, okay, am I allowed to? You haven't no, done it. Go, yet. go for it. But it's that um, you know the rap the rap battle the rap battle with a Jewish what, girl. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's like that's like someone trying to be scary and yeah. street, and that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, yeah. no, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Uh, another interesting thing is this is a PG-13 movie that would not get PG-13 now because they say the word fuck twice during that Sharks and Jets confrontation. Elizabeth Shue says, don't fuck with the babysitter, which I hope is in the trailer. Like, I hope they just drop an F-bomb right in the trailer. The Red Band trailer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it feels as though whoever... Shots of the Playboy, like, Red Band, yeah. It feels as though whoever cast this movie has never been out of, like, the... It's like they live inside of a TV. Mm-hmm. They're like, yes. oh, oh, that's that's what what gangsters look like, and that's what thugs thugs you call them thugs, right? That's right. what thugs, thugs look like. Put a, ba- a bandana and a vest, yeah. and you're yeah. a thug. And the, cho- and the chop shop gangsters. It really felt as though this was this was kind of the any any of the tertiary like characters in the background was all cast by like a high school theater director. Yeah, <laughs> but then the chop shop like. Gang, we're like, like 
like like gangsters like out of goodfellas like it's a bunch of <laughs> middle-aged like like very scary looking dudes like all in suits like ready to kill you at a drop of that a hat blue-eyed guy with the weird voice I remember him scaring me in my childhood, and he sense. still scares me today. Yeah, he's very—he's—he he is the scare of the movie for me. It makes me wonder why gangster. He's like so kind of um, just terrifying in his countenance that mm-hmm. I'm like, does this man date? Does he have a spouse like that looks into that terrifying <laughs> face? <laughs> I just had a visual of him like gardening with, yeah, his, wife. with his terrifying face, like mm, these rutabagas. <laughs> nah, roses. Yeah, he's yeah. a flower gardener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always thought that about Willem Dafoe. Like he's got this like really intense kind of scary face, and I've always thought, yeah. like, does Willem Dafoe have a spouse? That's like, yeah, Willem, what a handsome guy. You know? <laughs> oh, Willem Dafoe. All right, guys. Not to knock Willem Dafoe. Willem, if you want to come on the show, we will gladly have you. Yeah. You're in Ginny. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, do do we still love it? Liz? Yeah. I really like it. Love is such a strong word. (laughs) I really like it. Am I I supposed to say just no? no, no, I should have just made it more simple than that. No, you can editorialize all you like. Uh, You know, I'd say that I really like it. I um I didn't remember enough of it initially to to say either way whether or not I thought I loved it, but now watching it I'm like this is all right. This ha- I it does relatively hold up for how yeah. old it is now. I mean this movie, as I said, is kind of an eye roll in the best way. It's really just like a great greasy cheeseburger. Mm. Yeah. Like you can't be like this is a quality film. It's not art. It's yeah, not. It's not yeah, art. It's not really it's art. bubble gum. But it's. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And it manages not to commit, like, you know, we were we were worried, like, <laughs> is there going to be something really racist or something really sexist in it? And aside from, like, some of the weird pervy moments, like, there there really isn't a lot of, like, sexism, and the racism is not as bad as it could have been. Like, there were several instances where it could have gotten real bad. Yeah. Um, which were a film from 1987. Not like, bad. They, they were off base, but I think they... Tried, but yeah, that's not enough. But yeah, yeah. good. Okay, so I guess, uh, and then uh, Laura, I don't know if I you did. Oh, you did. Okay, sweet. So I guess the uh, feeling is that we still liked it. Yeah. Uh, great. So uh, I'd like to thank again our guest, uh, writer director Liz Manischel. Thanks, uh, Liz. Do you want to give one more plug of uh, any of your projects that people can now see online? Oh, sure. Well, you can find me at LizManishel.com, BreadAndButterMovie.com, at LizManishel. We have an Instagram page. I have an Instagram page where it's devoted to my dog, Laura Palmer. Uh, you know, the normal thing that people do. <laughs> yeah. Like, really watch Bread and Butter. And definitely, yeah, definitely watch Bread and Butter. It's great. And uh, and definitely, like, check out Liz's stuff. She's a big advocate for, especially for women in filmmaking, and does a lot of work in, uh, you know, encouraging people to go out there and make stuff. So I'm, I'm a big fan of your just get out there and make stuff attitude, which is really great, really needed. Uh, and hey, look at us. We're making a podcast. So We're making In a small stuff. way, we're making things. Yay. So thanks for coming on and helping us make this. I'm uh, Marshall James. And I'm Laura Weiss. Uh, and uh, so check us out. <laughs> Google, do I still love it? You'll find well, us you'll everywhere. find all of our stuff. <laughs>